0: Going back here in verse 2 of chapter 12, she is not Mary. The reason why I come to this conclusion and I want you to see it the same way is because the rest of the chapter deals with this woman being persecuted. There's no evidence in the Gospels anywhere of Mary, the mother of Jesus, being persecuted. But you can pick any page in the Old Testament and find the people of Israel being persecuted. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me this morning? So, she, Israel, was pregnant, crying out in birth pains, and the agony of giving birth. The child to be born is the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world. The valid view, the most valid view, I should say, of the woman is Israel. Um, if we see it as Mary, and some have said that, oh, well, that must be the Virgin Mary... The one stopping point is there's no evidence of Mary being persecuted. So then we have to go to the Old Testament references in Ezekiel and Isaiah that call Israel a pregnant maiden giving birth at some point that we would have to see it as Israel. So, Isaiah chapter 26. You can go there, write a note there. We're not going to read from there today. Micah chapter 4 and 5 as well as several passages in Ezekiel thirty in the mid 30s in Ezekiel, all of them reference Israel being pregnant with birth pains. The curse that spoken over the certain, over the serpent was certain. God said that He shall bruise the heel of the Savior, essentially, but that the Savior would bruise His head. The enemy will think that he wins, but he's going to get what's coming to him. The same is true here in Revelation chapter 12. He's believing that he's going to position himself in such a way that he can devour the child. But the child, the Bible says, was caught up to God. Here's something significant. The child that was caught up to God, if we understand him to be Jesus the Messiah left his blood, sweat, and tears on the ground of this earth in order to redeem us. But he is outside of the realm of being defeated by an enemy. Can I get an amen? So to recap, the woman's Israel, the child's the Messiah. Now we're going to talk about the dragon. Everybody say dragon. Um. I'm going to have to stick real close to my notes today if we're going to eat. So, I won't. <clears throat> we'll just keep going. Verse 3, again, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns on his heads. There were seven crowns. Verse 4 says, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, ...as she was about to bear her child so that he could devour it. The color red indicates that if this has some sort of application... ...when it comes to celestial bodies... ...the color red would indicate that it's in the southern hemisphere. I want you to understand there is a constellation beneath, depending on your view beneath the virgin virgo so there's a lion at her head which is forming basically 12 bright points and down below her is something that looks like a serpent who is right next to her i'll tell you the name of the serpent there are two possibilities the name of the constellation one is hydra which is you can still find it google it look it up hydra it's a water snake that's, that's why they named it that. They call it a water snake. It's very interesting because the rest of Revelation chapter 12 says that this dragon or serpent used water as a weapon. It's really words that are weapons but he uses. There's something interesting there to just kind of disassemble. It resembles a dragon or a serpent. And there are two constellations right at the top of it. They have seven... And ten stars respectively. God is cooler than you think. And then you give him credit for it y'all. There's something amazing that John is witnessing. In the way that the heavens are. What Psalm. I believe it's Psalm 91 says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky or the expanse are his handiwork. It's amazing when you think about this. So those two smaller constellations at the top of Hydra are seven and ten stars respectively. The second legitimate possibility, there's two, is that it is the constellation Scorpius in, in our English terminology. We would call it Scorpion or Scorpio. So the head of that constellation is a red star. It's amazing. Your pastor is not a psycho. (laughs) I haven't lost my mind. I'm just telling you, there's multiple layers to what John has seen. He is seeing something that has a spiritual implication that resembles the birth of a Messiah who is coming to save, whose life is threatened, but he is rescued, and he's coming back to rescue his children. It's amazing. The devil is going to get what's coming to him as well. You can look up the star, the name of the star, the red star at the top of Scorpio or Scorpius is called Antares, A-N-T-A-R-E-S. Regardless, the dragon represents Satan, that old serpent, the ancient enemy of God. Verse 4 indicates that there's a starless area beneath him because he has swept down a third of the stars and... Surprisingly, it looks kind of blank in the night sky in that area. It's amazing. So the origin story of the devil is rebellion. We believe, according to how we view the Bible, and I think that you should believe this way too, but by all means, check it out and don't just take my word for it. Read God's word. There was a primordial battle that happened When the enemy was kicked out of heaven because of his rebellion against God. When he left, he took with him some friends. Let me pause here and say this. If you believe in angels, you had better not be a hypocrite and you better believe in demons You say, pastor, don't scare my kids. It's family Sunday. I'm telling you, the devil has people working for him. (laughs) I said that one way. He has agents working for him. Sometimes they are human form, okay? And sometimes they're influencing leaders of countries. They're influencing social media, entertainment. They're influencing the stuff of the world and the systems of this world. I'm telling you, the enemy is real, but God is bigger than the boogeyman. This is good. It's good stuff. That was a kid reference for the kids to say amen, okay? God is always bigger than the boogeyman. So, the origin of the rebellion is pride as we read scripture, the way that we read scripture. And if you want more information, I'm telling you, take out your phone right now and put notes in your phone or write them down like Miss Julie and my beautiful wife always do. She yelled at me, you know that? She said, I always take notes too. Because I always talk about Miss Julie. But she takes notes on her phone. If it's your phone or if it's on paper, listen to me. I'm going to give you some places in Scripture that you should go back and read regarding this very, very primordial uh, battle that takes place. They are Psalm 82, Isaiah chapter 14, and Ezekiel chapter 28. Listen to me, church. The enemy is the one who started this. But God is the one who will finish it. So the enemy instigated a war, and God is going to finish him off. Okay? So, let's go to verse... Where were we? Four? So let's go to verse five. Verse five. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule or shepherd all the nations... With a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That's another problem. Mary wasn't caught up or raptured or taken to God and to his throne. Uh, or to a throne. Um, don't pray to the Virgin Mary. I don't want to step on your toes. I'm not telling you you're going to hell. But I'm just saying this. Ain't nobody worth praying to but God and his son and his spirit. Can I get an amen? Okay. Okay. She was great. I'm glad she submitted her will to the Lord and obeyed. It must have been a crazy wild ride for her. But she is not worthy of the praise that she's been given here on earth by certain people. The woman fled into the wilderness. There's no real evidence of Mary doing this. Where she has been, uh, has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for a certain amount of days. We've talked about those days in a previous message. I don't have time to break them down today because I know you smell the bacon. I will tell you, go back and listen to the message that um, talks about the days. Basically, it's equivalent to roughly three and a half years. This is a, a big number in the book of Revelation. It also appears in Daniel as well. If we understand verse 5, talking about Jesus' ascension to heaven, his catching up to heaven, then chronologically persecution ramps up for Jesus' followers after he leaves the earth, which is what exactly is taking place. But there is always protection, divine protection for God's children. Amen? Also, I have some other good news. There will not only be the deliverance that has occurred or plural deliverances that have occurred for God's people throughout time. But there will be a final deliverance for all of God's people who are still here on the earth. Amen. And there will be a final judgment rendered against that old serpent, the dragon. He will be condemned and he will be judged. And all who have followed him... And all of those agents of darkness, they will suffer the same punishment for all of eternity. This is really good news, amen? So, verse 7 through 12, let's read it. Here's the war. The war arises in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Verse 9 says this, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. How did he get angels? Hello? He got them through his influence to rebel against God. So he and all his buddies were cast down, thrown out. You're repeatedly told this sort of language that appears, cast out or thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Somebody get shouting. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters have been, has been thrown down. He's been cast out. He's the one who accuses them day and night before God. You say, well, pastor, how, something's not making sense here. How is the devil in God's presence or within earshot of God to be able to accuse the people of God before God. You've got to do some study through the Old Testament and you'll find out there was, especially in Psalm 82 and Deuteronomy 32, you'll find out that there was a litigation aspect, a judicial, like a law, a court aspect in God's presence. And this persona, not a human person. He has accused the people of God. He has shot off his mouth. Listen to me, church, from the beginning of time. There are two things and I'm jumping ahead of my notes because I'm so well prepared. There are two things that he always, always works in doing. He did them in Genesis chapter 3. He's done them every day since until he will be finally stopped. The first is the use of his mouth and what he speaks is lies to deceive. If he can't get you by persecuting you, he will get you by deceiving you. And there are entire streams of what they call themselves Christians here in America and around the world who are being deceived by this very valid accuser of the brethren who is still deceiving like he did in the garden, but one day he will be shut up for good. Don't be deceived by him. Believe about God, what God says about himself in his word. Don't be deceived about yourself. Believe what God's word says about you. That you do have peace. That you can walk in grace. That you do have an advocate with the Father. You not only had an adversary and he's still very present. But my God, you've got an advocate. You've got an advocate who's before the throne of God. Jesus Himself. Y'all, this is so rich. I feel like my pocket's filling with gold. Okay? You have an advocate. The Bible says, Jesus intercedes for you right now. He's praying for you. He is talking to the Father about you. Don't believe, oh, poor me, little insignificant me. God loves you. He would love you if if you were his only kid. He would love you. It's amazing to know the love, the depth of the love of God. Anyway, I I got off, but I skipped some, so I'm not going to repeat it. I'm just going to keep going. Verse 11 says this. Uh, after the declaration of the salvation and power of the kingdom and authority of Christ, then it says in verse 11, and they, who are they? The accused. It's the people of God. It's not just ethnic Jews that were born in Israel with Jewish blood, but it is you by faith in the God of Abraham who have become part of the family of God, they conquered him by two things. The blood of the lamb, which is the work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And you have an active part by your word of your testimony to defeat the enemy. I'm telling you, I'm not the guy who stands and looks at myself in the mirror and makes those self declarations before I walk out of the house. I think it's stupid. I'm not For me, Okay, I think it's stupid. I don't know that you should do that. I am beautiful. I am smart. I am loved. Okay, listen, whatever floats your boat, you do it, but just, just hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this. The word of your testimony, the word in your mouth produced by the synapses in your brain is powerful. It is awesome. The Bible says that power, the power of life and death are in your tongue. Don't speak death over yourself. Don't speak death over your situation. Don't speak negatively over those things. Speak as though you know the word of God and what it says about your circumstance. Now, this is not name it, claim it stuff either. Don't misquote me later. Okay. Verse 12, it says this. Oh, wait, I skipped a part. It's really important. We'd all like to skip it. It's the very last phrase. For they loved not their lives even unto death. You say, well, that sounds weird. That's strange grammar. They were willing to embrace the blood of the Lamb and speak the word of their testimony even if it meant martyrdom. This is a powerful image that John is relating to us. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. You ever heard that phrase that the enemy knows the word of God? I sincerely believe that he understands his destiny and he is trying to hold it off as long as he possibly can. The enemy is the instigator of the war. Very interesting. Go to Jude chapter, uh, there's only one chapter, Jude verse 9, you can read it later. Michael has warred with Lucifer, the devil, Satan, the deceiver, whoever you want, whatever you want to call it. At this point, he has warred with him before. But here, it says this, that Michael and his army responded to the enemy instigating the war that happened in heaven. He refuses to concede defeat, but he is running out of time. Amen? The fellowship that we call the family of God, I truly believe, has the ability to conquer the enemy not just in some weird, ethereal way, but truly conquer the enemy, that you can live in victory over that issue in your life, that habit, that hang-up, that thing that just keeps on keeping on. It is relentless. I believe you can experience victory by embracing the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, And by continuing the word of your testimony, the Bible makes it clear here that the family of God will be able to defeat the enemy with God's help. Amen? So, I'm skipping the parts I already said. Revelation verse, uh, 12, chapter 12, verse 13. Go with me there. We're almost done. When the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth. Now, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but let me just tell you this. There are some scholars that I've been reading about Revelation that tend to think... <laughs> okay, can I just tell you something really weird? Well, there's kids in the room. Okay. Um, there are some people that think that John is crazy uh, or that since he was stuck on an island, he might have... Parents, look at me and listen really closely. He might have only had mushrooms... To eat um, and so there's some weird stuff happening. Just follow along though, because what he's actually become, I truly believe is a inspired by the Holy Spirit. He is a masterful storyteller. He is telling about the birth of the Messiah. Then he's reaching back in history before we even knew that a battle happened about when the enemy of God got thrown out. This didn't happen the day that Jesus was born. The enemy had been thrown out and cast out. But he's been here, okay? So he is doing this amazing weaving job going in and out of history. Now, watch what he says. It says, verse 13, "...when the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth..." banished for his disobedience. He pursued Israel, the woman, who had given birth to the male child, the Messiah. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle. If you look at Exodus chapter 19, God's word and God's speaking says, and I will take my children on wings like an eagle and deliver them. So, the wings of a great eagle and fly away from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she, she is to be nourished for a time, times and a half a time, the number of three and a half years essentially. What I want to make sure to communicate to you today is this. That even in the wilderness, God is still good. You Not enough of you heard me. Even in the wilderness experiences of your life where everything is garbage and you feel like your life is a dumpster fire, God is still good. He was still good to those complaining, griping, good-for-nothing Israelites that were like, We wish we were slaves again. We were treated so good. And he's still good to you when you do it too. That's good. That the goodness of the Lord is present even in the wilderness wandering. And for us to understand that in the wildernesses of our lives. We will be nourished by a holy God who loves us. And the Bible says calls us his own. That's amazing. Verse 15. So the serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. What the adversary can't do through persecution, he will attempt to do through subversion, which is what I referenced earlier. He, from his beginning, of his origin story with what we know, he has undermined God's will, purpose, and plan And he's still attempting to do that same thing today. And he's attempting to do it in this picture that John is communicating to us that he sees. It's not accidental that John sees and tells this, tells us that the head and mouth are weapons. He said it already a couple chapters ago, talking about some other images where they assaulted the believers through heads that were on the tails. There is deception that is going to come. it is already arrived. I speak by the Spirit of God today. It has arrived in the American church and many places around the world. A great deception. People have veered away from the Word of God and they've left it behind to collect dust to make God in their image instead of allow God to transform them to become like Him in His image. This is really important. Don't be that guy. (laughs) Don't be that woman. So, verse 16. The earth came to the help of the woman. And the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious. Okay, here's another point about it not being merry in just a second. Verse 17. The dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring and on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then it says something interesting. I'll talk about it in a second, but let me finish this thought. The dragon is upset and we're going to call him what he is. Satan, the devil, Lucifer, the deceiver. I read one scholarly work that actually gives him a funny name, Mudslinger. That's what he refers to him as all the way through his work. And I just, I think it's hilarious because that's what he does. He gets you dirty. When you listen to him, he dirties your spirit. When you work for him by gossip, by cheating, by lying, by stealing, He, he's a mudslinger for sure. But here's what happens. He gets mad that he can't get the baby because God wins. So then he decides he's going to make war on her offspring, the others, the brothers and sisters, of the Messiah and those who keep the commandments of God. That's not just Jews. That's me and you who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Let me say this. You can look this up yourself, verify it. Anything I say, look at me, pay attention real quick. Just we got 2 minutes left, okay? Don't don't fall asleep in the last few minutes cuz I'll eat your bacon. Or sausage or whatever they're cooking out there. There are no chapter and verse breaks in the original writings. Do you understand that? If you do, say yes. Yes. Okay. So, many transcripts, actually, this last phrase where it says, and he stood on the sand of the sea, it's not referring to the dragon standing on the sea it is there's no break and the very next phrase in chapter 13 communicates that John is at a place where he his point of view is from the sand of the sea so he is then finding himself standing on the edge of the sea or on the sea it's important because it's a it's a concurrent story chapters and verses are awesome it really helps us find things I love the fact that somebody invented it I'm so thankful but I'm just telling you The full story is not finished. Will you stand with me today? I don't think the full story of God and his work in your life is finished. Okay, I got two with me. And this is not to try to rush me. I want you to engage this morning your mind and think about it in these terms. I am going to say this again and declare it over you until you truly believe it. I do not believe that God's plan or his story that he is writing with the days of your life is over. I've talked to people who've been retired before and they say, well, what can I do? I'm just, uh, listen you can pray. God's still got a purpose for every person. He's got a purpose for every child in this room. And it's not just to grow up and become successful and own a business or be a husband and a wife and a father and a mother and the things we dream about as kids. There's a deeper thing. God's not done with you yet. I'm speaking again. I really believe this in my spirit today. I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, prophesying into your spirit today that God is not done with your story. You may have hit a dead end. You may not know which way to go. There are moments in my own life I can say the same. But I am telling you something. God will win the day. He's going to win the day. And if we give him permission, he'll win every day in our lives. I don't know what you're struggling with today. But the prayer team is going to move out. Prayer is more important than breakfast. Okay? Wink, wink. The prayer team is going to take their place and they're going to offer prayer for you. And again, we say this all the time to make it very, very open and accessible to everybody. Come receive prayer. You say, well, pastor, you didn't preach on healthy relationships today and I've got a broken one and I need healing. It doesn't matter what you need prayer for. We're here to pray for you. But if you're struggling with something, you say, whether it's internal, whether it's external, mental, physical, spiritual, I believe even when you hit what you think is a dead end, it's an opportunity for God to show up And show out in a way like he's never done before. I'm holding on to that promise for myself. I believe you should too. Will you close your eyes today with me? The worship team is going to sing one last song. And as they do, I encourage you to worship. Don't talk. Don't try to collect your things just yet. Just experience the moment of worship together. Commit yourself to the Lord. Maybe you don't have anything major in your life right now, but you're thinking something else related to the message. Commit that thing to the Lord today and ask Him for His help. If you're here today and you're willing to be vulnerable, transparent, honest in this house with every eye closed and you say, Pastor, it's me, I need prayer I'm dealing with something I'm not going to pull you out of your seat to have prayer with you I just want you to lift your hand Every eye is closed, every kid's eye is closed Right now If you say, Pastor, it's me, I'm dealing with something And I could use some prayer then just lift up your hand right where you are. I believe with all of my heart, God sees you and knows your need. You can put your hands down. But let's worship and pray like we are going before the God of all creation who loves us and has called us his own. And today we're inspired to know that he will take care of us. Amen? So if you need prayer for any reason, whether it's healing or finances, a marriage issue challenges at work, whatever it is, you can step out and receive prayer. My brother and sister are over here on this side and I'll be over here on this side. You can step out while we sing.